Welcome to By the Fiberside, a knitting and spinning podcast from the southern edge of northern Alberta, Canada. Episode 32, All About Potential. For the past couple of months, there's been a pink file folder on the kitchen counter. It's fairly innocuous, really, just a letter-sized file folder with papers in it. It's moved from time to time, from the counter to the dining room table, and occasionally the papers get spread out, looked through, then reassembled and put back. Just a little folder, but it's been the biggest and most important thing in the house for several months, because it's where all the paperwork for the new house is kept. The actual size of the folder has little to do with it. Rather, it's the potential that's contained within that folder that makes it so huge. Potential, by definition, is about having some latent qualities that can lead to future success or usefulness. When we think about potential, probably the first thought that comes to mind is children or young people. As they grow, we see in them scads of potential to be the next great artist, leader, astronaut, or whatever their particular skill set and mindset drives them towards. My parents still expect me to write a novel eventually, and I think it would probably surprise some of my teachers that I haven't yet. As an aside, they might be pleased to know that this week I started sketching out a novel in my head, and this one might actually go somewhere, but it's going to take a lot of world development first. But quite apart from society's first thought when it comes to potential... Those with a creative mindset are probably among those most keenly aware of the potential lying in, well, just about everything. As fiber artists, our whole raison d'être is about the inherent potential in inanimate objects. Yarn becomes a finished object. Stitch pattern becomes a shawl. Dye becomes a beautiful skein. A fleece straight from the sheep becomes a sweater. These things don't just magically happen. We must bring to the table skill, experience, imagination, and creativity to create that perfect alchemy where that potential is realized. We come by the skill and experience through practice and study. Knitting someone else's pattern lets us take advantage of their experience. Slowly, we begin to make changes. First, we might substitute yarn, then alter the pattern, just a little. We can go to conferences and take classes from fiber arts rock stars, taking part in little direct apprenticeship to those who have something to impart. And through it all, we're learning about the increased potential in yarn and fiber. Not because it wasn't there in the first place, but because our own fiber arts potential increases with every stitch we make. Fiber artists don't have the market cornered on seeing potential in things. My sister sees her garden as it will be in ten years' time every time she looks at it. My father can take a block of wood and see what kind of bowl or spindle it can be. My brother-in-law amazes me with the things he creates, out of all kinds of materials and in all kinds of forms. But it isn't just artists. Chefs, architects, welders, even computer programmers, they are all well-versed in the potentiality of things. All it takes is for someone to turn something into something else. To take something, ingredients, sheet metal, even the concept of computer code, and turn it into that beautiful thing. There is beauty in potential. That's why sometimes I hang on to a gorgeous skein of yarn for years and never knit it. 
I worry that the finished object could never be as beautiful as the yarn is right now, with all its ordered strands and the possibility of being something. In the same way, sometimes I look at yarn in my stash and wonder what on earth I can ever knit with it. And yet, I don't destash it. Someday, my skill and imagination will be enough, I think, to help this yarn discover what it was meant to be. And I want to be there to help it find out what that is. Over the last couple of weeks, there has been progress on the house, enough that we might be moving in a month before we thought we would be. But if you were to drive past our lot, there wouldn't be too much to see. There would be a sign out front saying the lot was sold, and a foundation, capped with plywood. Lumpy clay and a dusting of snow surround the whole thing, and the sidewalk and boulevard are dirty and wet. But when I stand there on that sidewalk, I don't just see the foundation and clay backfill. I see the library on the first floor where my knitting chair will be, facing out onto the front porch. I see tomato plants, maybe in pots on the porch, or maybe planted in the beds in the front yard, soaking up that south-facing sun. I see the room on the second floor where my spinning wheels will be, my own little fibratorium. I see a summer and fall spent settling in and making a new house, built on that foundation sitting here amidst the frozen clay, into a home. Thanks for listening. This is By the Fiberside. Fiber Week. This week's episode is coming to you from the desk that I set up on that Sunday of the last episode. Because on Monday, the building got grid power back, and my supervisor said, hey, let's all move back to the office. And I thought to myself, well, I just set up the desk, but okay. And I mean, it's all right. Ergonomically, it's better for me. I'm, I'm finding it much easier to get through the days. There's still no water, no sewer at the, at the office, but yeah, we're working on it. But I had this desk all set up, so I've moved my computer over to it from, from where it was sitting on the dining room table. And so that's where this episode is coming to you from. It's a bit of, it's different. It's a bit of a change of scenery. So anyhow, fiber week. Once I had the computer off the dining room table uh, and I did that last weekend, I decided to do what I'd said I was going to do, which was lay out all the skins that I'd finished for homework and start getting my binder together. And so I did that. I got my negative sheets and I labeled them with the, uh, with the skeins that I needed and then I measured off the skeins that I had and made the 10 yards and put them in there. And when all was said and done, of the 36 skeins, quite apart from the final project, which was is, an, is more skeins, but of the 36 skeins, I'd finished eight. Not, not eight left, no, I'd finished eight. And I looked at that and went, I don't think there's any way I'm going to make fiber week. I can try, but I don't think there's any way. So after the episode is finished today, I'm going to send an email to Olds College and to Marg and say, with everything that's going on, I need the extension. And we'll go from there. Now that said, since then, I've finished uh, at least one, possibly three uh, more skeins. So that brings me up to 10-ish. So, so that's okay. I mean, 10 of 36. I'm hoping for 12 soon, 
but uh, but we'll go from there. Twelve will be about a third finished, and and that that I think I can do. So so what I have finished was I'd finished off uh, the silk that I had started spinning for warp, and when I'd plied it and took it off of the bobbin, oh, it was really twisty. I was absolutely convinced it wasn't going to balance, but it turned out that once it had been in water and once it had dried, it did. It balanced. So that was that was awesome, and it's really lovely. Now I haven't measured out the skein yet, so I don't know if it came in at twelve twists per inch, but but overall, I'm pretty pleased with it. So if it comes in at twelve twists per inch, I'll just spin some more, and then that will be another skein finished. I also sat down, and when I was looking at what I had finished and what was left to do, I did see that we had to, there there was one that I could do all at once. And that was, we had to spin a three ply skein woolen of wool. And we also had to spin a skein suitable for outerwear, like a hat or, or a scarf. And I thought, well, I can do those the same. So I, this was trickier because, because you obviously have to spin to TPI and and woolen of course is a long draw so i'd i'd made up a i guess a measuring string which uh, i had attached to my traddy and it was marked off in in one inch increments so i tied another strand or just a just a cotton twine uh at at the where where my hand was going to end up at, at the front and then 12 inches back tied another and then I had that on my pinky finger so that when I did the long draw back, once I got to the that la- that second string, then I would stop. Now I tied a, a nut, uh, just a just a nut to the end of the string so that it would hang down and 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 it had weight. That wasn't quite enough, so I attached a magnet to the nut, and that worked out really really well. You know, I really felt like I was able to keep you know, do the, do the 12 inches to the treadles and, and really kind of keep that even. So that worked out. Okay. I'm probably not describing it very well. I should probably put up a picture just so you can see what it is I'm doing. Maybe, maybe I'll even put up a video that will have to wait though until Mike is on day shift and he can take the video for me. Um, so what I did was I, I looked through what I had for fine wools and I found some old English South Down from level one, had a bunch of it. I'm like, well, it's worth a shot, right? Like it's a, it's a two inch staple. It's not very long. And, uh, and so I carted up some of it and I did a little sample and, 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 uh, chain, chain plied it just to see what it looked like. Three ply. I was pretty happy with it. So, uh, so I carted up 36 Rolex of that and then spun 12 on each and tried for a five twist per inch in the three ply. Did the math for that. And you know what? It it balances okay. Once I, you know, once I, you know, wash it and once it was washed, it was, yeah, there's a lot of lanolin in it, so I had to wash it a little bit more than, than I would have otherwise. And it's all right, but there's some twisty bits in it. And I don't 100% know why, Probably because I wasn't as strict about the twelve inches as I was, as as you are as you can be with uh, worsted. So, so I have to think about that a little bit more. I think it'll be I can find ten yards in it easy for for the three ply or for the um, 
outerwear one and I can do the swatch that I need to do out of the rest of it. I may take some of my commercial stuff and card up some more Rolex for the for the three ply woolen. But we'll see. I mean, once I get my 10 yards out of it, maybe you know, maybe there's another 10 yards and then that will be done as well. So but but in terms of the actual spinning woolen, it went a lot smoother than it has in the past. So that was good. I feel like between the issue of ply that was about woolen and a bit of practice, I, th- I feel like it's getting a bit better. So next up is the weft, silk weft. And when I was putting my binder together, I looked at my commercial Mawada skein and I thought, that's really kind of nice. And I've got a lot of Mawada and it's pretty easy, you know, to to make that up. So I today I stretched out about six Mawada. I think that'll probably be enough for one single. So I'll do those, stretch out another six, do the second, and then and then that'll be my weft. So that'll be good. Now, with that said, uh, with the house being where it's at right now and our potential move date moved up a month, we need to get this house on the market as soon as possible, which means in the next two weeks, I'm not 100% sure how much time I'm going to have to do homework. But on the other hand, it's very important (laughs) that we get the house on the market. So yeah, that's another reason why I think the extension is going to be a really good thing for me. So it'll give me that breathing space. It'll give me the time that I need to do everything it is that I need to do. Because, you know, I've got such copious amounts of spare time. Go figure. Anyway, on to level two two we are up to we're almost done we're up to exercise d2 which was about um primitive well not primitive spinning wheels but but the invention of the bobbin and flyer and and how that you know affected spinning so you're you're to write an essay and you're also to to talk about what types of bobbin and flyer mechanisms there are for spinning wheels. And there are three, bobbin lead, flyer lead, and double drive. Now, I have only really ever spun on flyer lead. But eventually I will have a double drive wheel, and that's a topic for another essay. So you have to do these things. You just have to talk about, you know, the invention of the flyer and treadle and and about the, the mechanics and then this was my, you know, if you, if you've been listening from the beginning, you'll remember this was like my favorite part of, of all of level two was finding the songs and stories and poems about spinning. And I found a ton and the, my, my, uh, our references are on the references page on the website, the sites that I found in some of the stories, but, uh, I had a lot of fun with this. There's it it just you you it it was so much a part of everyday life you know in popular songs these days people talk about you know iPhones or or things like that and and we all know what they're talking about right because because it's so permeated our culture that even if we don't know or if we don't own said thing that they're talking about we understand it um the spinning wheels you you look at the songs and you look at the stories and, and it's just there, you know, like it's not, 
it's not something that that they feel they need to explain and I love that part I really do I wish I could have I wish I could have done some analysis on these but that wasn't part of the exercise so like I said there are references for level two for anybody in level two uh, on my website and yeah so in terms of marks on this uh, they were let's just say I got good marks uh, excellent, well done, a great selection. And I could have included a lot more in my in my songs and stories. So, so yeah, I I like the written stuff personally. It 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 helps me kind of think of things, think think things through, and and make some make some connections and stuff. So, so that's level two. And I don't know, I'm. I'm going to measure out uh, the skeins for the silk, the woolen. I'm hoping to have the samples done for uh, the cabled yarn. So that's the, what's it called? Rista stuff. And also for the woolen, the, the swatch knit for that by the next episode. And we'll see what else I managed to get done. It's going to be an interesting two weeks. Fiber notes. Even though there were some times where I thought I wasn't going to make it, I actually did manage to cast off the Event Horizon Pie Shawl on Pie Day, March 14th. And uh, and that was a great feeling that, that I had managed. And I know, again, arbitrary date, but but that's not a long time to knit a shawl that size. And, and it feels really good to, to actually have finished it, so... So I'm very, very pleased. Now I've put up a few blog posts about the blocking process and and a few of the other things about the pie shawl. So check those out. There's some really lovely pictures. I'm so pleased with it. It ended up being, probably once it was unpinned, it ended up being just shy of six feet uh, uh, in diameter. And it's wonderful and warm and purple. And I've worn it out well, I went to, wore it to work this week, got lots of compliments on it, even though I felt like, well, it's, it's swooshy and, and big and lacy, and maybe it's a little too nice for work, especially, you know, when we don't have water and sewer and the toilet trailer wasn't working and we're using porto potties, but, but, uh, but no, no, it, it, uh, it was great. And, and it was, and it was warm, like really, really warm. So so I'm very happy with it. And uh, and yeah, so like I said, a bunch of blog posts. And feel free to go take a look at those. So once that was done, I was looking at my projects and, and what I had. And and I the, the sweater sleeves, uh, there was an error. I'd made an error about nine rows back on the one sleeve. So after the partial was done, I, uh, I took the, well, that one sleeve off, tore it back and fix the error. And it wasn't an error that you could fix by just dropping down and picking back up. So, so I got the sleeves all back on the needles and between them and Mike's hat, that's what I've been taking to work with me for work knitting. And so I've gotten a little bit done on both. Not, not really anywhere near finished either of them. Even though, even though I'm back in the office, I'm still finding 
kind of hard to take those morning breaks and the afternoon breaks, the knitting breaks. I'm I'm gonna work on it a little bit. Part of the thing with being out back at work right now is that it's really quiet. Like the only people that are back on the second floor are the people along along the side of the building that I'm on. But you go anywhere else and it's really quiet. So so it's it's still odd. It's not quite normal. But I'm going to try mostly because I I've, I've definitely found that the days where I don't take the knitting breaks, I I can feel it by the end of the day. So I'll still be taking those with me to work and hopefully getting a little bit done on them. But uh, but also once I was finished with the pie shawl, I took a look at what I wanted to do. And, and the one thing that I did want to do is uh, is the chronic pain doll that I talked about in a previous episode. This is uh, an art project for communicating chronic pain, which is uh, which is an academic I guess, study something uh, being run through the London School of Economics. And my friend is involved in it. And so um, I had my brilliant idea of how I wanted to visually communicate my chronic pain. And it, it involved knitting one of Susan B. Anderson's Topsy Turvy Inside Out Knit Toys. And the one I'm doing is the, uh, the petticoat, what is it called? Top Down Seamless Petticoat Dolls. So I I had found um, a good it was a close match to my skin color uh, just a just an acrylic yarn at Michael's so I started these dolls last weekend and I'm at the point now that the doll itself is finished the the doll part I just need to do the skirts and the reason that there's there's two reasons I want to get this done as soon as possible the first is um, that my friend from England is actually going to be here in Canada uh, on in in the first parts of April. And so I want to have the doll finished so that I can take it to her. If she wants to take it back to, to England, that's great. Um, if not, we can figure out a way to take cool pictures of it. Um, but the other is that, that I want to use some of my embroidery floss to, to do the, the chronic pain side of the doll. And that stuff's going in the pod. And the pod we want gone by the second week of April. So, so there's a whole bunch of deadlines uh, for this doll. So I started it last weekend. And, and as I said, I've got the doll part finished, I just need to do the skirts. Now this is a really interesting construction. And, and I really, I really like it. It's, it's really kind of brilliant, actually. And but once you make it, you're like, that totally makes sense. So so it was good. The uh, the doll itself, of course, it's a tight knit with worsted weight yarn. So I was using three and a half millimeter needles, a little hard on my hands, but uh, but that's all done. And then you do the two halves of the doll and then you kitchener them together. Now, then the skirt part, you've, you've left stitches on waist yarn to be picked up for the skirt. That takes four and a half millimeter needles, double pointed needles. I have one set of those. It's a set of four, which I don't like. And they're currently in Mike's hat. Now I'm nowhere near done Mike's hat. So I was like, Ugh. so today I went out and I bought another set of four and a half millimeter needles so that I can do finish off the dolls. Now that'll be my home knitting for, for the next little while. It shouldn't really take too long. I mean, overall, this has been a quick knit. 
So I'm I'm looking forward to having that done. The tricky part is going to be the embroidery and the decoration on the chronic pain doll. So so I want to leave as much time as possible for that in between all the other things that I have to get done. <laughs> so but I I really quite like it. Now, uh last episode I was talking about not casting on anything new and if I could <laughs> if I could resist my hand dyed yarn. Well, now with the possible move date me being moved up, I think I'll have an easier time of it. Uh, I I I have I have projects I can work on. It would be really nice just to work on those, you know, not cast on anything new. And then when we're in the new house and when we're all settled, then I can take a look at it. Now, I mean, when we pack, I might keep out, say, the red lace weight that I dyed, maybe a couple of skeins of sock yarn, just so that I have something just in case I need it. But uh, but I think it's with everything that's going on and homework, I think it's going to be pretty easy not to cast on anything new. So that's where I'm at. By next episode, the dolls will definitely be done, or the doll will definitely be done. And, uh, and yeah, we'll have more progress on the sleeves and on Mike's hat. By the Wayside I managed to get two really good Saturdays worth of work in on the tapestry. Last Saturday, I'd stayed up a little too late to do it, but I was on such a roll, you know, and I just wanted to keep going. And uh, and I got most of the the shield for the first soldier finished, and and all the little little bits in around and around there. And then the week this week, I finished off the second shield, and I even managed before I got too tired to start the filling in on that last section of the soldiers. So that it's a lot of good progress. And especially because the shields with the, with the heraldic animals that are on them, there's a lot of, it's a lot of twisting and turning and, and a lot of details, not straight lines. And, and so it's not, it's not as easy to do as, uh, as any straight lines. So, and then whenever I had, you know, a little bit extra of a certain color, left over, I would find some other place in the tapestry where where that color was and I would just do it. So there's also a little bit done in the top border and also on the, the man on the tree on the far right hand side. So I'm really, really happy with the progress that I made. The next couple Saturdays are going to be filling in um, all the shields and what's left there. And then, and then, I've been thinking about this a lot. There are two pieces left on the bottom border. There's a very large and complicated bird swallowing a tree or eating a bush or something like that. And then there's a man about to kill a boar tied to a tree. Now, those are two very complicated looking, anyway, uh, parts to it. The, well, the other parts that are left are, are obviously the man on the tree on the far right hand side. Now I could finish him and be done the whole center and only have the borders left. And then the top border, there are two chickens and a couple of fleur So very, very simple top on the top border. So I'm, I'm waffling on what to do. You know, do I, 
do I do the man on the tree and finish off the center and have only the borders left? Do I go into the bottom border? Because those are fairly complicated. Do one of those and maybe go up and do the chicken and a fleur-de-lis in the top border? I'm not sure yet. I'll think about it while I'm finishing off the shields, the filling in there. But but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm still going to try and keep Saturday nights for the tapestry. Next couple weeks, uh, I don't know. There's going to be a lot of other stuff to do. But, uh, but I'm still going to try and get the work done on the tapestry. Like I was saying to uh, my friend yesterday, it could get to the point, because I'm not going to cast anything on. Mike said, yeah, right. But I'm not going to cast anything new on. So it might get to the point where, really, if I'm not casting on anything new, most of the time I'm going to have is going to be spent on the tapestry. I, I don't know. We'll have to see. The, this next two weeks, getting the house ready for sale, those are that's going to be big. And, and after that, I should be able to figure out what I can do with my time. So, so that is the By the Wayside update. Thank you for joining me for episode 32. By the Fiberside is a bi-weekly podcast, and I look forward to bringing you episode 33 on April 6th, 2014. Show notes for this episode can be found at www.bythefiberside.com. Join the discussion in our group on Ravelry. If you need to get in touch with me directly, you can email me at ness, as in Loch Ness, at bythefiberside.com. Thanks again for listening. This is by the fiber side.